Amen. Better let me preach. Yes, I better. Thank you. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Amen. Matthew chapter 4. I want to thank our staff again. I'm so excited about the fact that we as a church body all come together because, again, the, the vision is to ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world. You know, and the world's just as important as St. Augustine. And St. Augustine is very important. I tell you, God's been giving us some things to be able to do next year that can continue to touch whole communities in our own city. And, um, you know, God wants us to reach out to those that are in need in our community. Amen. And so I'm excited to be able to share those things uh, next year with you uh, as, you know, we begin to prepare and continue to do partnerships with people here. But, you know, we cannot negate the, the traveling. And again, um, I was under Pastor David E. Meyer that when he went on mission trips, he typically went always by himself. Very rarely did he take a whole lot of people with him. Um, when I started Anchor Bay Church uh, on the assignment that God gave me, I knew then I would take people with me because the more that go, the better we are as a church. Because you can't smell it by seeing it. You can't smell it by seeing it. You've got to go participate. Because it'll want to change your environment. It'll give you thankfulness for where you're from. But it'll also inspire you to live beyond yourself. And that's what God's called us to do, to do something bigger than what we do personally. Amen? So every aspect's important. Not only do we need to take care of St. Augustine and take care of our nation, you know, by planting churches and and being, you know, the, the different roles that we get to do with Rhema and being over some other pastors and stuff and help influencing them. But then we turn around and able to get out in the world and be able to touch people's lives. And now we have an International Kingdom Institute school, and I'm excited about that. <laughs> they were so excited to get the forest in Hindi. I have some copies. Um, I won't be able to, you know, they're just be nostalgic for you uh, in that context. So I didn't bring a whole lot back. You know, there are a few people I'll give to. Um, but, um, you know, cause you can't read them. You'll just look at it, but they can read it. And so I need it to stay over there. And so, um, I think we'll end up doing cows crows next and we'll continue to just translate books and let God have all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter four, verse 17. I'm continuing this evidence, uh, series that we've done. You know, we talked about natural evidence while the Bible itself should be, uh, acknowledged by just from natural evidence, uh, people should be running to it as a document for a source of truth. Should be running towards it, flocking. The whole world should run to it because just the natural evidence by which they run to everything else, this um, is more supportive in the Bible of its authenticity than any other document on the face of the planet. More than any history book, anything, any artifact that they find, anything. This is detailed documentation. It has genealogies in it. It has literal landmarks. This is why nations shut down certain areas because they do not want them to find archaeologically the things that would support this document because the devil does not want you to find truth. Okay? Uh, then from there, you know, we went into the new birth. Why? Because when you're born again, there should be evidence of that. You just can't say you're right with God and not have any evidence of that. Okay, because what God does in the spirit, he brings to the natural. Yes. I said what he does in the spirit, he brings to the natural. It's a principle in the creation of the world. In God's mind was this, was this idea to create heaven and earth. But earth didn't stay an idea. Earth came to pass out of the unseen into the seen. Amen. And he spoke, let there be, and there was, which means there became an evidence of what he said. Yeah. Hallelujah. So there's a way to live. Then we talked about just growing up spiritually. We had a, a good time in our one service about fruit salad. In fact, Pastor Jay uh, was listening to the podcast. He said, man, I love fruit salad. I love your fruit salad, man. He said, that was a powerful teaching. I've been listening to it. Evidence. That's really good. And so there should be evidence that we've grown up, that we're growing spiritually. Amen. Then we talked about evidence uh, being baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. There should be an evidence. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, there will be an evidence of that. It will manifest. You can't say you are and have no evidence, period. You can have the indwelling of the Spirit, but you don't have the baptism of the Spirit if you don't have the evidence. Hallelujah. Today, I want to talk to you about healing. The health care of the kingdom. Because you can't say you're healed if you don't have evidence. All right. That went ever good. 
I knew it would because a lot of us, you know, we, we allow time to dictate. Now, there is a time for things. Again, there are some things of God's plans and purposes that take time, but then there's other things that can be immediate. And we have to be in alignment with God's word, not people's experiences. Period. I said period. Because if you do not develop the evidence of what comes with health care, you have to start examining self. Are you with me? In uh, Matthew chapter 4, 17, real quick, it says, and from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Evidence means there's something that shows that something else exists or is true. A visible sign, something that furnishes proof. Okay? Evident means to be apparent, manifest, known, to be plainly recognized or known. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to talk to you from an individual side today. I'm not going to talk to you about a, from a, 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 a pure ministering side. Because you understand, there's a ministering of healing that can take place, and of which I'm going to get in agreement with you and want to minister healing today. That if you actually have symptoms in your body, we're going to have you come down at the end of service here, and I'm going to lay hands on you, and it's going to leave. I said it's going to leave. But you've got to come in faith, not doubting. Because Jesus himself cannot put something on an individual that rejects it. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit can get in operation and do all kind of stuff, but it's as he wills because he knows the hearts of man. But when it comes to just ministering healing to people, you understand just because the Scripture says something, there's a factor involved called the one you're laying hands on. So I want to stir up your faith so that you understand that if I'm in a kingdom and there's a healthcare system to it, then I want to walk in the evidence of the healthcare system. That I am the healed of the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I could bring up pastors' names, ministers' names, individuals' names for that matter, but I'll just stay with myself. And I'm going to tell you right now, since I've gotten hold of this healthcare Symptoms that have been in my body, which have been very few and far between in the last 15 years. I could probably count them on one hand. Maybe have to go to two, but most likely I could probably stay on one hand. And of every symptom that's ever manifested, it's been gone in 24 hours. It's been gone. Why? Because I went to God's time on an individual level, not man's. I said I went to God's time and not man's. I believe God at what I saw in Scripture. Okay? So let's show this. Why? Because there's something about this kingdom when it manifests. When it manifests, it'll give evidence to something. All right? Don't take my word for it. Let's read the Scripture. It says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue and proclaiming what? The gospel of the kingdom. And what? What was he doing? How many? How many? Was there a disease that existed Jesus couldn't heal? Every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Hallelujah. Because when he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, guess what comes with the kingdom? A health care system. I said a health care system. It's called healing. Well, that's one. Let's go to two scriptures. Ready? Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says that Jesus was going throughout the cities and villages teaching and in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel of the kingdom. Gospel means good news. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? The kingdom. People say, we need to preach the gospel of Jesus. Well, what was the good news of Jesus? The kingdom. It wasn't just good news. It was the kingdom. I said, it wasn't just good news. It was kingdom. It wasn't just good news. It was the kingdom. Because, again, if I pay your mortgage today, that's good news. But that's not the gospel. The gospel's the kingdom. You'd have to go beyond me paying your mortgage. You'd have to go into the principle of the kingdom called commonwealth. All right. So he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and healing what? How many? How many? Every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Glory to his name. Let everything be confirmed by two 
Or, well, let's do a third one, Luke chapter 9, <laughs> verse 2. And he sent them, out, sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform what? Do you know that the minute you get into the kingdom of God, you can become a physician? <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. That's good news. Now, that doesn't downplay doctors. I'm not saying that at all. We need doctors because a lot of times they can identify things that allow you to get your faith somewhere if necessary. Listen, not everybody has faith. So God provides for people who don't always have faith to show his love, to show his desire to help them. But as we grow in God, then we can begin to tap into things that we have by right of, of being possessed by God as a child of God, by right of identity, by right of inheritance. Are you with me? But again, if you don't know what you have, then you won't access it. So he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healings. Verse 11. But the crowds were there, were aware of this and followed him and welcoming them. He began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. What was he doing? Curing those who had need of healing. Now, again, at this juncture, let me help you. Because at this point, every one of us in our lifetime have had someone that we love that did not receive healing. Okay? We've had this take place. And we want to believe with our whole heart that they believed. But this reminds me of something Pastor uh, Brother Hagen said when he was on the bed of sickness. His testimony when he was 16 years old, he had an incurable heart disease. And he said that he was on the bed, paralyzed from his waist down, couldn't move. And he would slowly flip each page in his grandmother uh, Drake's Methodist Bible and began to read the Word of God. And when he finally got to chapter 11 um, and found out about faith, uh, concerning speaking to his mouth and believe you receive when you pray. He said he made this statement to the Lord. He said, Lord, if you said I didn't believe, I, and you came in this room and, and said I didn't believe you, I'd have to call you a liar. And the Lord spoke to him and says, you do believe based upon what you know. Do you understand? Some people can have a serious belief system but still lack in an area to get the results. And we have to conclude, if the Scripture says Jesus healed every kind of disease, every kind of sickness, then there can't be an exception to someone who truly believes. There cannot be an exception to those who truly believe. If he did this, then he would not withhold it from anyone who believed with the ability to produce the evidence. Now, the good news is that ultimately, to be outside the body is to be present with the Lord anyway. Are you with me? Okay, I understand that. But I, you're in the earth right now. Are you in the earth? Then you need to do all that you need to do to remain in the earth until your assignment is complete. I know of some that were, were fighting the good fight of faith, but got over just a little too far. What I mean by that is they got a glimpse of Jesus. And I'm telling you, when that person gets there, it's kind of hard to pull them back. Again, Brother Hagen had a testimony one time that he was praying, and I think it was him uh, that said, or some minister, that somebody went and prayed for him and, and, and for him to be healed, actually raised him from the dead. And when they came back, they said, the next time I die, don't call me back. They didn't want to come back. Are you with me? And sometimes you have to begin to recognize situations. Well, have they seen something? Because what did Paul say? He said, I'm betwixt between two places, whether to go on and be with the Lord, which is far better, or to remain here with you. What's far better? To be with the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, you can get to a particular age where you've done certain things and you can start to see and all of a sudden be convinced it's far better 
And it's hard to pull people back from that. In fact, you've got to not be selfish. See, we as loved ones become very selfish in these moments because we want to still talk to them. When there's a picture bigger than this. The picture is, is have they finished their course? Have they fulfilled their purpose? And even if they haven't, have they made a choice now to go somewhere? And if you sense that in the spirit, then man, you just got to say go. Because the next time I see you, I'll not be without you. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. But I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you that's still in the earth. I'm talking to you that still feel like you have purpose and destiny. And I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. One of his greatest weapons is sickness and disease. And if he can get you to believe that a disease is bigger than the name of Jesus, if he can get you to believe that a sickness is bigger than the name of Jesus, if he can get you to believe it, then you'll find, you'll find yourself accepting it, and it will run its course, and every course of sickness and disease is death, which is separating you from your body. And you've got to be able to say, no, I can't leave this skin suit till my purpose is done. Which means you've got to tap into health care around every corner. And I'm talking preventative things. I'm not talking about waiting until it comes on. I'm talking about standing in it so it don't get there. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. You can't be smoking a cancerette. And, and claiming healing in your lungs. Lord, thank you for healing my lungs. No, you're going to have to put that out and know that that plant doesn't have dominion over you anymore and put it under your feet once and for all. It's amazing how many people put it under their feet only to let it get back up in their head. No, keep it under your feet. You have dominion over plants. Glory to his name. Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. He says, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? Verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely what? Whoo, glory to his name. I said glory to his name. Luke chapter 10, verse 9. We've gone beyond two or three, haven't we? Luke chapter 10, verse 9, and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God come near you. What's an evidence of God's kingdom? Healings will manifest. I said healings will manifest. They'll become evident. I was sick, but now I'm not. I was sick, but now I'm not. Now, let me make this little disclaimer real quick. Because when I heard this statement from my, from my pastor, Pastor uh, Kenneth W. Hagan, I said, this will not happen at Anchor Faith Church. He said, I go on these living faith crusades, and I always do healing the last night. And he said, quite frankly, I'm shocked at how many people out of these Word of Faith churches, are, people are coming down, they're sick. Now, that means two things. Number one, they're not sick. They just want Kenneth W. Hagen to touch them. Well, that's stupid. But people get the little, you know, stardom in their eyes. I got touched by Kenneth W. Hagen. Right? It happens. It's unfortunate, but it happens. The second thing is, is that they really are sick and ain't been listening to the pastor. Or the third issue is the pastor won't preach on it. He won't preach on it. I don't know what the case is, but they're coming in January. And the only people that should be coming down are people who aren't part of this body. He ought to be able to say, well, you need healing. Now, that doesn't mean if you had a symptom, you can't go down because Pastor Earl's going to say, oh, no, Steve Melton went down. Oh, my gosh, why did he go down? We teach on healing. What's his problem? No, I'm not going to do that. If you clearly have a symptom and the Holy Ghost tells you, you let him lay hands on you, you've got something that he's going to anoint you with and it's going to come off you once and for all, great. You need to move. But the whole church ought not to get up. We're better than that. We've been taught more than that. And we're not going to listen to symptoms in our body dominate us. We're going to stay in the healthcare system of the kingdom and let it may, may, uh, develop evidence. Hallelujah. So you got to understand, there are seasons that go around. What do they call it? The flu? Well, it don't need to come near you. That's right. 
it can pass your field. Are you with me? It can pass your field. You can take authority over these things. Amen. I know certain things I can put in my body that combats things naturally. Then uh, I do that in addition to keeping the word in front of me. I do not go to another country without preparing myself spiritually to stay healthy. Because there's great opportunities to get all kind of parasites and all kind of stuff in other countries that your body's not used to. But we make a demand on the healthcare system because the good thing about the kingdom, it's a global healthcare system. It's not tied to the U.S. It's tied to the kingdom. And it works everywhere. Hallelujah. So what's Isaiah say? Isaiah 53 and 5. How did we get this healthcare system? It says it this way. And he was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 says it this way, And in him, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Do you understand why in the world does Jesus take stripes on his back? Because a physical beating does not conquer a spiritual issue. A physical beating does not conquer a spiritual issue. Jesus became sin so that we might become the righteous of God in Christ. It had nothing to do with his beating. The beating had to do with the, with the stripes laid on his back for the curing of every disease and every sickness ever to be known to man that at the name of Jesus, it must bow, submit, and leave your body. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, he was in a dispensation that, we're, that, that we are in that he was not in. Because the dispensation Jesus was in is that nobody's born again. But people can be righteous by obedience to God's word. But nobody's a new creature in Christ. I said no one is. No one is. And so Jesus, who had the Holy Spirit without measure and only did what the Father said. Are you with me? He dominated when it came to sickness and disease. And whoever he authorized, they dominated when it came to sickness and disease. Now, they did have some trouble with some demons a few times, and, you know, Jesus addressed that. These things don't come out, but through prayer and fasting, they had a little too much flesh involved in their prayer. Instead of fully relying and trusting on the Lord, Jesus had no issues between him and the Father. No mental hang-ups, ever. Do you understand? We have the mental hang-up. Jesus never had a mental hang-up. What, he, what his father said he would do, Jesus never doubted it for a moment. And that's why he was able to perform and give evidence to what he said. We, on the other hand, have experience. We have to hang up sometimes. And then sometimes the pain in our body talks so loud and so often that we hear it more than we do the word we're trying to quote. Plus, we are convinced that when we get older, that some kind of disease takes us out anyway. Well, I don't want to go out by tragedy in the sense that, you know, a wreck happens. Um, you know, martyr, being martyred, okay, that is plausible. And if I'm going to have to go out a different way than just leaving my body, fine. Okay, you know, I understand that. But sickness and disease should not take us out. I like what uh, Prophet John Todd said. He said, listen, if you're ready to go, get healed first and then leave. That way the testimony isn't that you died of something, you just left. Amen. And Kenneth E. Hagin had that testimony. He said, if you ever hear that I'm gone, you know I got satisfied. And it, and it was testified concerning him the night before he passed away. And um, um, what, what month did he pass away in? September, I think it was. And he said, he spoke to the, uh, the couple that was there and his wife. He says, you know, tomorrow morning, make me that, uh, I want to have breakfast one last time. Woke up the next morning, his wife was sitting across from him. He was there, he ate the breakfast, looked at his wife, smiled, and was gone. The autopsy on his body said that he had the heart of a 40-year-old. Because it was first report he had a heart attack. Wasn't the case, he just left. I said, he just left. And his son says, you know, when I look back, he'd been preparing us for a year. 
Amen. You know, Paul knew when he was going. I fought the good fight. I've run my course. I finished my race. Peter knew he was going. Amen. They knew this time it's going to happen. I'm not getting out of it. Amen. All other time they escaped death. Both of them. Paul's thrown in prison. They're going to kill him. But you know what? At midnight, the chains came off. I mean, there's multiple. Peter was destined to die the next day, but then an angel wakes him up and takes him out. Amen. No, they had finished their course. Are you with me? So we're the healed of the Lord. So Acts chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says it this way. If we are on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to you, to all of you, and to all the people of Israel that by the name, by what? By the name, this man stands here before you in what? Good health. By the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. So by whose name? By the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus authorized... It is the insurance card. Right? Well, you know, who's providing this treatment for you? And you give them your insurance card. Well, who are you insured with so that you can receive treatment? Oh, it's Jesus is his name. I said his name's Jesus. All right? All right, let me run through a few quick scriptures real quick for you because I want to be able to pray for you here. Pastor Marcus, come on up and just play a little bit behind me because I want to set the atmosphere for a moment. And again, this is going to be quick. We're not going to to take a lot of time here because, you know, to be healed doesn't take a lot of time. You just have to believe. Be that firmly persuaded. That's all. And we're not doing anything. Not going to do anything. No, team, y'all don't want y'all up here yet. Y'all sit down. I just said Pastor Marcus. Just Pastor Marcus right now. Thank you, though, for your quick response. I appreciate it. Pastor Marcus only. Just wanted to play for a moment. Because I got, I, it's going to be another 10 minutes, okay? <laughs> when I say quick, I mean, you know, in India, you can get anywhere in five minutes, which is a lie. It's really an hour. But that's what I say. How, how much further? Five minutes. It's a lie. <laughs> the traffic is terrible. Hallelujah. Okay. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, I want you to look at some things here, okay? It says, And he came down from the mountain. A large crowd was with him. And the leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, that's a question a lot of people ask. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear the answer that Jesus said to this man, and he'll say to you. Because he always says it. I said he always says it. This is his answer. This is not for this isolated case. This is his answer concerning people who are sick. Verse 3. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, what did he say? I am willing. Which I am is God. God's I am. So guess who's willing? God is. I am willing. Be cleansed. And what? And what? And what? And what? And what? And how fast? And how fast? And how fast? And how fast? Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Mark chapter 1, verses 30 to 31. It says this. And Simon, his mother-in-law, now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and what? And what? They spoke to Jesus about her, and he came uh, to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she walked on. She waited on them. The minute he got there, he rebukes the fever, and it leaves. And she waits on him. She's sick and can't do anything. He prays for her. The fever leaves and she goes to work. She doesn't have to recover. She goes to work. She gets up and serves. Well, I need a couple days. No. She went back to her assignment. This is what I love about this passage of Scripture. A lot of people want to be healed but don't want to do their assignment after they get healed. He held her to do an assignment and she performed it. Are you with me? Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 30 says this. A woman been, uh, had a hemorrhage for 12 years, and she endured much at the hands of many physicians and spent all that she had and was not healed at all, but rather grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came to the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch the, uh, his garments, I will get well. Verse 29, what? 
Verse 29, what? Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately. Verse 30, Jesus, perceiving in himself that power proceeded from him, had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? When we touch God in faith concerning receiving the health care, he immediately recognizes it and immediately distributes. I'm talking individually now. Sometimes I can't lay hands because the person I'm laying hands on don't want. Doesn't want it. But if you'll want, if you'll come in faith, it can go now, right now, right now, right now. Don't give me grandma's testimony. Don't come and give me your uncle's testimony. And don't come and show up with Job's testimony because I'll kick your Job testimony to the curb. You know why? Because Job was under the power of the devil. He wasn't even in the dispensation to be born again. But God said, you can put sickness on him, devil, because you control the domain down there. But you can't put something on him that would take him out of his body. And the Lord had to step back and it was the devil in control. But once he could not get Job to do what the devil presented he would do, that he would curse God if he was made sick. And through the process of time, he never cursed God. And the minute God got right back in the situation, immediately Job was made whole. The minute God showed back up and said, devil, we're done. You're a liar. Didn't work, did it? Then immediately Job was made whole and restored double for his trouble. You'll not find a case in the Word that when the Word got on it, it didn't happen immediately. You'll not find a case in the Word that when the Word got on it, within 24 hours, it's done. He laid hands on 10 lepers, and as they went, they were healed. Which means, I don't know what the process of time, but one came back to Jesus that same day. Didn't come back a week later and say it was gone. Laid hands on one guy that had blind eyes, and he said, what do you see? I see people like trees. Done it again, and he got it. Didn't take a whole long time. You've got to believe God's time concerning this, not your symptoms, not what the doctor says. You've got to believe it, and the evidence that you believe is what? Well, I believe I'm healed. It wasn't until God told Brother Hagen, if you believe me then, because he knew then, now you believe. Notice the first time he says, you do believe based upon what you know. Then there's another time in his testimony that Lord said, he said, I believe, Lord. I received it when I prayed. And the minute he saw that, and God knew he was really in faith then concerning being healed, he spoke to uh, Brother Hagen again. He says, people who are well are not in the bed in the middle of the afternoon. So in an act of faith, he took his paralyzed legs and he said he threw them over the edge of the bed. And he said, I grabbed hold of the the bed post. He said, my legs fell off it just like, you know, they were a sack of bricks, man. Didn't respond to what he saw, what he felt, but just responded in faith. The man, the Lord challenged him and said, yeah, you do believe. Now act on it. So he threw his legs over saying, well, I can't stay in the bed then because I already have it. And so his legs hit. And he said, I held on that doorpost. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, in the room, it's like something hit me in the top of my head and just poured down on me. It was hot, like oil. And he said, all of a sudden, it shot through my body and I had pain all in my legs. He said, it felt like a bunch of knives were stabbing me. He said, it hurt so bad. And I began to cry. He said, but they weren't tears uh, uh, of sorrow. They were tears of joy because I was feeling for the first time. And then all of a sudden, I began to walk and he was healed. He said, in my lifetime, Death came back to my door. I knew what death was because he almost died three times. He said, and every time it did, I stood in faith. I prayed in the spirit. And within 24 hours, it was gone. Within hours, he removed it from him. Why? Because the scripture said when the word gets on it immediately. A lot of us are putting up with things longer than we should. And we're saying we're in faith when the reality is we have some unbelief about it. Amen. I said, amen. 
I do these here because it lets you know, number one, there's no kind of skin disease that can't be cured that God couldn't cure. There's not even simple things like a fever that God's not concerned of. Most of you won't even come to God over something simple because you don't want to bother him. Yet a fever is pretty simple and could run its course and she probably could have been okay. Though there have been people who've died of a high fever. I understand that. But God's so concerned, even when you get a little sniffles from allergies that God would say, if you'll come to me immediately, I'll dry it up. Mark chapter 10, you can find out about blind man Bartimaeus and how he went about and got healed of God and immediately he regained his sight. There are some hindrances for you to receive healing. I must say this at this point so that you make sure you're right before you come down. The first thing is sin. Jesus healed the man at the gate uh, 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 um, at the pool of Bethesda and later on found him and said, now don't sin anymore so nothing worse will come on you. A lot of times we get back into perpetual sin and that's why symptoms keep showing up. You can't live any way you want to and expect God to keep you healthy. Number two, the next thing that can hinder us is the lack of knowledge. If you don't have the knowledge, then you can't receive what you don't have faith for. My people perish. The payout for sickness and disease is death. My people perish due to what? Not because God don't want you healed, it's that you don't know that he wants you healed. The other one is that you seek signs. A lot of people want to come down and want to make, sh show me something. And the Lord, he quit performing miracles, meaning he quit healing people in certain areas because all they wanted to do is see people get healed instead of receive the word to be changed. And notice all those things that when he was preaching the gospel, notice he went teaching. Most of us go to doctors and we don't even be educated. We just want them to give us a pill. Jesus didn't even administer healing until he educated them about the kingdom. He gave them education concerning this kingdom, how awesome it was. Then he performed the kingdom. What was he doing? Man, it's the greatest place you could ever be. But today we're in a new dispensation where Christ is in us, the hope of glory. The great physician lives in us. We have a doctor on the inside. Quit eating that. Quit doing that. Quit doing this. Quit messing with that. Believe me here. Amen. He's inside us. That's just an attack. The enemy's brought a spirit of infirmity. Rebuke it. Some of you dealing with symptoms that have to be with a spirit. And you can't even deal with it unless you deal with a spirit behind it. But if you're not walking with God, you don't know this. You just want God to give you a prescription, you to be stay uneducated, throw a little pill in your mouth, and you walk away and expect it to happen. No, you got to come believing. Because the thing that hinders people the most is really just unbelief. I do believe. You do believe based upon what you know. It said in Jesus, in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, I close with this. Jesus went about from there and came into his hometown and the disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to preach in the synagogue, teach in the synagogue. And many listeners were astonished saying, where did this man get this? And what uh, is this wisdom given to him and such miracles as they, uh, these performed by his hands? Is, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and all these right here? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do no miracle there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wandered at their what? He was going around the villages teaching. What's the answer to help unbelief? Teaching the word of God. I found in India that there's a gross neglect of teaching. The craziest thing happened to me in India. A teaching anointing came on me. It's crazy. I barely moved from behind the platform. It's the craziest thing. But it was necessary. I like preaching better. But that's me because that's typically my gift. But I'm like what Paul said to Timothy, be apt to teach. And when the anointing needs to be taught, it needs to be taught. And they needed the word so bad. Because, you know, their whole religion is about going to something to get something. They go to the idol to get something. And all they did is they transferred this idol that they go to to get something to a man to get something instead of getting God in them and rising up in their authority. In fact, it was so profound 
that when the night came for me to lay, I actually, the first night that we did our kingdom crusade, I told them, I will not lay hands on anybody. Don't even think about coming forward. No ministering to people tonight. That was shocking to them. The second night, we began to minister and went. And I said, now, here's the thing. I'm going to make it very difficult for you to come down. I said, if you were in my wife's meeting on Saturday and she laid hands on you to be healed, then why are you coming down? You've already got it. I said, this whole, y'all should not all run up here. Then after it's all said and done, I brought up the team that don't have pastor in front of their name. They hadn't heard them preach. Well, you know, except for the cell ministries that they went to on a Sunday night. I brought them all up there. I said, the Bible says, those who believe will lay hands on the sick. I said, Sandra, do you believe? She said, yeah. I said, Michelle, do you believe? She said, yeah. And I went down. Dan, you do believe? You believe? Yes. Christy, do you believe? Yes. And I went on down. Amita, do you believe? Yeah. I said, these are believers. I'm going to sit over here and they're going to lay hands on you. This ain't the Earl Glisten show. This is the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be back home. Hallelujah. I thank God for the United States of America. God is so faithful. You want to know what it looks like when you turn from God? I can take you to some countries. I can take you. And you'll quit complaining about your nation. You'll quit complaining about it. Amen. It'll open your eyes. We've got to get beyond our address. Amen. We're going to show a few pictures while I tell you, give you a little update on India. We're going to be doing some um, uh, a video uh, come down. You know, there's just some jet lag that takes place in some people, so it's kind of hard to produce videos until I get me a traveling laptop and we can do it while we're out. But we, uh, we had a great time there. Um, when I say great time, it was a massive assignment. I really didn't even realize how big it was until we got actually uh, in country and what God was doing there. Um, I ministered to some pastors on Saturday night uh, at a particular, um, you know, with some leaders, talked to them about being equipped. And then uh, Pastor Marcy did a women's meeting uh, that Saturday night, ministered to women, had miracle signs and wonders take place after the preaching of the word. Amen. This right here is a picture of our Kingdom Institute students. 73 are enrolled, Hallelujah. and they'll graduate in December. Hallelujah. Amen. But what's even more exciting is that Pastor Ajay's son, Gary, will be coming to the United States in January, and we'll do with him what we did with Vladimir. We're going to take him through Kingdom Institute here so that we can add extra and send him back. And that's a big deal because Gary's pastor in a church. He's coming away from his church that his dad oversees, and they'll put somebody else so that Gary can come, and it's be more than Vladimir. Instead of just giving him in six months one whole year, we'll give him all three years in six months. So I need you to be praying for Gary because he's going to have to absorb all that. Amen. Those that have gone through Kingdom Institute, you understand what that means. But God's going to grace him. This is a school uh, that they sponsor. So many, so many children are left alone during the day because both parents are out working. So many of them are not educated. And so they open up opportunities to educate them. But what I love more about it is they're able to educate them in the kingdom of God. And not only can they give them academics, but they are able to teach them the word of God. Amen. So we'll have a video that we'll probably we'll show on Wednesday night. You don't want to miss Wednesday night. It's going to be our Spanish service. Amen. You get to see what we're doing on Wednesday night, on Friday nights when we do our Spanish service. It's going to be a great time. There's Gary right there by Pastor Marcus, one with a beard. He's going to be coming. Sonny, the one next to him, is uh, his younger brother. Both of them in the ministry serving with their dad. And God's just doing a great and mighty thing. Amen. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a different country. Pastor, uh, we were approached by a woman who was willing to sell her child for 150 rupees. $150. Rupees. You know how much 150 rupees is? $2, a little over $2. Hallelujah. Let that sink in. 
There's 1.3 billion people in India. Second largest population in a nation. Second largest. Okay? And God has given us the opportunity to influence the world with the kingdom of God. Pastor Jay said to me, he said, Pastor Earl, out of all the ministries that I know of, out of all the uh, ministries that I'm connected with, okay? He said, I don't know anyone preaching the kingdom of God here. He said, I think you're a pioneer. Now, with that being said, I don't know every ministry that's in, a, in, in India, and I, you know, would love, to think, would love to believe that God's probably got some other things going somewhere. But in their circles, it's not being spoken at all. And so, Father, he's been in ministry for over 25 years. Okay? And so, God's given us a great opportunity. Uh, I literally saw our, our Anchor Faith Church did what Prophet John Todd prophesied one night on a Saturday night when we began to uh, meet with him uh, before a meeting he had on a Sunday. And we were all praying, and he communicated that Anchor Faith Church was an international ministry. And it came to pass this past week. Came to pass. They want to model. In fact, Pastor Ajay said that he said, Pastor, after you send Gary, he said, listen, would it be okay if I send three to five pastors for 10 days to you so that you can download in them leadership and show them the church? I said, we can do that. Multiple times he communicated. In fact, the Bishop Tony, how many of y'all remember Bishop Tony when he came? When Bishop Tony came, who's over the organization ABC, uh, over, you know, 500 churches throughout India, um, he was, we were talking one afternoon or one evening, um, and he was saying, you know, there's some persecution happening with Christian churches right now in India based upon the prime minister. And he says, you know, a lot of churches are struggling right now. He said, but not Pastor Ajay's. It's growing in this. And Pastor Ajay said, Bishop Tony, it's because I'm teaching the principles of the kingdom. And so the head of the whole organization is recognizing the success that Pastor Jay's having based upon the principles of the kingdom of God. He says, we want to be, Pastor Jay said, I want to be the church that can become the model for all the other ABC churches of what it looks like when you follow the kingdom. Hallelujah. And he saw that because he came here and he experienced you and the message. And his whole life's changed. When I first went over to him, when I first went over to him, um, he was on a rooftop renting it. God has given him a home. Give it to him. Someone bought him the house. Three bedroom, two bath. Now, I say house, it doesn't have property, you understand? It's, you know, on the fourth floor, it's a flat. But it's paid for. The person he was renting from, the person died, and the kids had the, the place, and they were wanting to sell the building, and he kept in it. You know, renting says, you know, this is what I, I can afford, and, you know, so they said, we'll give you time to get out, and he just hadn't found a place. And then eventually they came back and said it this way. They said, um, well, how much would you need to buy a house? And he told him, he said, we're going to buy one for you. And bought it. I have to help with the amplified version. Okay. <laughs> I will preach still. And give some details. I'm giving headlines because I have to preach. <laughs> I wanted to show the picture where it was Gary and Sonny, and we were standing there praying. This is a nursing home that we went to in India. Quite the experience, a nursing home in India through the Catholic Church. Um, wow, amazing. Anyway, right here. This is at... Um, Suterita, uh, Pastor Jay's wife, started an orphanage. orphanage, and there's 13 girls there. And uh, so she is completely, uh, you know, taking care of these children, these girls, young girls that, that you know, um, were abandoned by their were parents. abandoned by their parents. And uh, so she has 13 girls. She's teaching them educating them, give, also teaching them a trade and uh, taking care of them completely financially, the, the facility, food, everything. Um, and she is just doing an amazing job there. She does it through her tutoring. She tutors. 
And now that her sons are out, she takes all that money and takes care of 13 kids and rented a house for them. And she's an educator. So, uh, you know, she wants to make sure that children are being educated. So she pays for so many children's educations, not just these 13, but there's also four children of her uh uh, lady that helps keep her house um, that's normal in these other countries that you would have people to keep your house and they get paid minimal amount but the lady has four children and she also pays for all four of her children to go to school and get educated so um, you know just doing a phenomenal job in taking the kingdom principles and actually taking care of other people and their ministry is just expanded now they yes. have several cell groups this is the nursing home that we went to and we were able to bring them some supplies and just pray there was only what 12 13 yeah people in there people in this nursing home but half of this nursing home was run down which it's already run down but half of it they couldn't even house people in because the monkeys had taken over taken over and they can't kill them because they worship them. Okay? So. Hallelujah. They don't worship the birds. This is a school um, by Pastor Ajit. Or not, he's not an actual pastor. He's a kingdom businessman. And he's in government, a lawyer. And actually has now prepared for December to pastor to be able to speak before parliament in India. Parliament. Your gift will make room for you. And so when he goes back in December, he's going to be speaking before Parliament. But this is a school that he and his wife started from meeting us back in 2010 because they took the kingdom principle that I'm in business, I'm a lawyer, but what can I do to help change my nation? It starts with educating the children. And so he takes care of them and, uh, and then those over here on the far right where there's teachers, the teachers that are in the black. And so he also educates and takes care of their children and their families. So once you take someone on, you take on to provide for them totally because there's so much that they cannot do when, when they um, are working every day. So. Amen.